Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We join you weekly on Franklin Public Radio, WFPR 102.9, and on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Kim, and I'm here with my co-host, Mark. How are you doing this week, Mark? Hello, Kim. Good to be talking wine with you and our listeners. Uh, yeah, always Kim and good I to... were just uh, talking off air here how things are crazy, and this time of year, everything's crazy. So, yeah, uh, gets we'll... a little... Uh, you know, it gets a little uh, sometimes out of hand in December with all of the things that everyone has to do, whether it is work or family or holidays or whatever it is that is occupying your time here in the uh, darkest and shortest days of the year. But we are here to bring a little spirit, no pun intended, or maybe yeah. I did, and, uh, and a little fun and a little interesting information about wine our favorite topic to talk about. And as we approach the holidays, you know, there's always interesting things for us to talk about, but sometimes it's nice for us to go back to the basics as well. So uh, the first article that we wanted to talk about was about the different types of palettes that people have. So we can kind of break wine drinkers into different categories, depending on how sensitive their palates are to taste and flavor and sensation. And this is something that we've talked about a couple of times before, right, Mark? You know, we yes. we sometimes want to bring up that, you know, when we're in a class and we're tasting wine with people that sometimes it's a lot about experience when you're tasting wine. And, and as we get together a little more and more and talk about and taste together, so some of us have a lot of experience, so we can put a lot of those words to the wines that we're drinking. But sometimes it's physiological, right? You might have a different composition to your taste buds or to how sensitive your sense of smell is. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that today and how your physical makeup might influence your appreciation of wine. We talk about this a lot. It's an ongoing joke, Kim, but we taste a lot of wines. And I think the more someone tastes wine, the better their palate can be. And when we talk about these four types of tastes, I hope our listeners can kind of put themselves in one of these categories. But I, but I personally feel the more you keep tasting, the better you'll get and you'll reach one of these top tier, what they call a super taste, which we'll talk about a lot. But the key is tasting, right, Kim? We taste a lot. And my doctor doesn't like when I say that all the time. I taste a lot of wines. <laughs> I don't drink them. I taste them. He still doesn't like it. But right. so let's, let's talk about the first category of taster, Kim. So the first category on our list is sweet tasters. But I actually would like to start with, with what you just mentioned, the super tasters. Is that all okay? Right. All right. I like so that. Yeah, we, sure. we, we bandy around this term super taster. And if people do any reading of popular articles about wine, they may every once in a while bump into this term super taster. And I think it's a little bit of a misnomer. You know, you think the word super taster means, oh, they must be really, really good at tasting. Like top sommeliers must be super tasters and Kim Simone must be a super taster. <laughs> right. 
But the, the word yeah. that they use in this article, I think, is actually more apropos, and it's hypersensitive tasters. So when we use the word super tasters, it's not that people are really, really good at identifying different flavors in their wines. It's that they're really sensitive to those sensations. So sometimes it can play out that, yes, because you're so sensitive to those flavors that maybe you can point them out a little bit better. But there's a flip side to that coin. And it's that you might not like a lot of different flavors because your palate is so sensitive to them. And one of the big things about this is like being really sensitive to bitter things. And we don't get too much bitterness in wine, except when it comes to tannins. So tannins and red wines can have a little bit of a bitter taste sometimes. But I think it's a little bit of a confusing term because, you know, really what we're talking about is this oversensitivity and not necessarily a superlative kind of thing. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. Well, super taster can detect flavors or layers in wine that others don't. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that, like you said, Kim, that they're sommeliers or they're in the industry. They just have this ability to taste things others don't. Right. And we've talked about in the past that uh, women are more super tasters than men. And uh, there was a lot of studies done where they actually put, uh, I know a woman wrote a book we talked about in the past and they put her in like an MRI and had her taste wine Mm -hmm. and they were showing the activity in her brain is different than what someone else tastes. So there's a lot of science to this. And they did mention, like you were talking, they're picky and picky eaters are related to uh, super tasters. So just by that, I classify myself. I'm a a super taster. I think you might be. I think you might be. If it's by food, (laughs) that's me. And and I think some, you know, sometimes when we're talking about these different categories that people might find themselves in, sometimes it's kind of that nature nurture thing. What is it about you that might make you feel like you belong in one or another of these categories? You know, is it physiology? Is it your physical makeup? Is it is it in your genes or is it your experience? And what I think is interesting about the idea of this sort of super taster category where bitterness can be too much because people are overly sensitive to it and have that carry over into foods like uh, Brussels sprouts and spinach and broccoli rub and, you know, those kind of bitter foods, you know, espresso without any sugar in it, that sometimes you can overcome your genetic predisposition for not liking these things if they're a part of your culture and if you have acclimated yourself to to liking these things. So I feel like part of this is, yes, you might have the predisposition for being in one of these categories, but if you develop your sense of taste and you try to get over it, I think that that's also a possibility for people too. So don't feel like you are a slave to your genes. If you want to become better at tasting wine, but you feel like you're overly sensitive, I think practice and experience can go a long way to making you a better taster, even if you might not have started out necessarily on the wrong foot because you're overly sensitive to certain things. You mentioned the super tasters. They don't like the bitterness or the tannins, but they do prefer, they said, the complexity of a Pinot Noir. So what does that yeah. tell you, Kim? Pinot's not 
tannic, right? So it has a little bit more going on, so they can probably detect maybe the nuances yeah. of Pinot Noir. Yeah, I, you know, I really liked that statement because I have often found when tasting like a flight of red burgundies that the differences between them can be very, very subtle especially if you're not a trained wine taster. So, I mean, if you've spent a lot of time tasting Burgundy, you know, you're probably good. <laughs> but yeah. if you're just a casual drinker and you go to a wine tasting and you're, you know, tasting a bunch of these wines. So Burgundy is, red Burgundy is all the same grape. It's all Pinot Noir. They're, they tend to be made in fairly the same way. So you're tasting wine, you know, fairly close to each other and very subtle between them. Now, if you are one of hypersensitive tasters, that's going to work in your favor because you're going to be able to pick out the nuances between all those things. I feel like the same could be said for champagne, for other wines that it's kind of hard to tell the difference necessarily between a whole bunch of different producers or different subregions within a greater region, but you might have the advantage if you have that really sensitive palate. So I think that's the upside of being one of these hypersensitive tasters. I'm glad you started with this one too, Kim, because I wanted to ask you, there is, and for our listeners, there is a test that was always out there that you can test your tongue to see if you would qualify as a super taster. Have you ever done one of those tests on your tongue? No, I never have. Have you heard about the Yeah, the but tests? I don't want to do it. You've seen them? Yeah. <laughs> so my understanding- is you take like you coat your tongue either with some sort of dye they put in this kit or you can use red wine so your tongue is coated and then you take like a piece of paper and you put a little hole that's a certain size a circle on the paper that's a certain size and then you put press it on your tongue and then you count the actual what is it papillae or papillae yeah how, how do it's, you your say the it's, it's your taste, taste buds, bu yeah. taste buds on your tongue and then so many within the circle, if you have like 30 plus within that circle, you automatically should be a super taster, which I think is kind of misleading because if you still, like you say kind of earlier, you don't understand the nuances of wine you, and you, or you don't care about wine, you're not going to put any effort into being a super taster. But mm -hmm. I've seen those kits and I like you, I guess yeah. I am kind of scared of, of doing that. Yeah. And I feel like I would out. rather give people's experiences the benefit of the doubt and it's like telling a kid that they're not smart you know <laughs> and then they yeah, might not yeah. apply themselves at school because they're like well, mom and dad said i'm not smart like why burden someone with an extra little thing that you don't really need to <laughs> i guess yeah well you mentioned earlier that it doesn't necessarily mean that someone in the business is a super taster and that was kind of my question mm -hmm. i want to come back to right is do you feel in some way I feel if you're in the business, you're in the wine business, everybody's kind of priding themselves that they're they taste, they're good tasters, right? But to say you're a super taster, I think it's just from years of experience that you will eventually taste things that other people don't. So it should be classified as a super taster. We all we but all that's know the problem in the with using the term super taster is that yeah in a lot of things that are published using that term, quote unquote, super taster, it's a negative yeah, because super taster, scientifically, you're, right. You're not meeting the criteria. Because right? if you you're mean? scientifically called a super taster, you actually like fewer wines. Right. So yeah. that's, I feel I like where yeah. the, where the problem with the naming convention comes. Yeah. Which is why well, I like that hypersensitive thing better. I mean, to call someone, yes, I'm a super taster, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I, I just I feel like that the, the way we talk about it can get confusing because on one hand, we would talk about these super tasters as being picky eaters and people who don't like a whole lot of different types of wines. And then on the other hand, we were like, whoa, a super taster, you know, knows lots and lots and lots about wine. It's like, well, they're not the same thing. Do you really hear that term used in the professional circles of wine? Not really. You hear someone has a good palate, right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't. I think that if you're in a group of professionals who are all tasting together and someone says, well, I'm a super taster, you would kind of look at them like, "Ooh, sorry, dude. (laughs) It's like you're obviously not going to be getting the enjoyment out of these wines that we are. I, I know with me, I respect people who are other retailers in my circle that when a salesman comes to me, I'll, I'll always ask for feedback what they thought of a wine so I can kind of judge my palate of what they like and what I like. So I, I don't know if that's similar with you. Do you have like certain people when you taste a wine, you have to ask them what they thought of that wine to see if you kind of I like I'll say something like, wow, this wine is great, you know, and then I'll be kind of disappointed that, I, that one of my peers didn't mm-hmm. like it or didn't buy it because they didn't think it was great. And I'm like, yeah. well, What's wrong with my palate type of thing? I really like tasting with other people. That's been really one of the downsides of COVID of not being able to go to tastings and have those conversations and those communications and those professional opportunities to really taste alongside your peers who, like you were just saying, you value their palates and you value what they have to say about a wine. So, I mean, regardless of whether I feel like I... I'm on the same page as somebody else with what they like and what they're tasting. I still always will value what somebody else has to say about a wine. And I feel like I'm confident enough now after many years of doing this with my own palate that if someone who I respect doesn't necessarily like a wine that I like, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it because, you know, like we talk about all the time, you can like a wine that is maybe not necessarily considered <laughs> super right. a super fine wine and still really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And then vice versa. You can recognize quality in a wine that you maybe don't like the flavor of. I had a student in a class last week who, who did just this um, and we were tasting some unusual styles and we went through the whole tasting thing and, and he raised his hand and he's like, I can tell that this wine has balance and complexity and it's really great quality for the money and I really don't like it. <laughs> and I'm and like, that's, that's okay. I know that's really brave, I feel like, of someone to say in the middle of a class or in one of our situations with their peers, be like, I recognize the qualities of this wine. I just don't like it, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, but it uh, wasn't I, something you recommended to him. It was something he was learning about. So right. it's a different for me if I recommend a wine mm-hmm. to you and then you come back and say, I don't like it. A lot of people won't admit that if, but that hurts me because I'm like, what, why? Yeah. Well, you know, oh, why no, I know. And like I've done, I need to know. <laughs> and it's like, you know, when you're doing tastings with people who if you feel are on like another level from you and they are picking out things or liking things and you're just not, you do sort of have that. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? You know, yeah. she likes this wine and she thinks it's amazing and I'm just like not getting anything out of it. So <laughs> what's wrong with my palate? I think that for, for the maximum enjoyment and, you know, not talking about you as a, as a retailer and as, you know, someone who is, you're really counting on your recommendations to people as 
I mean, that is your professional seal, right? Like you're, you're, you need to stand behind your recommendations, but I think it is valuable for people to know that you can not like a wine and that wine is still a good wine. And maybe when they come back and they say, I didn't like this wine that you recommended to me, that's a great jumping off point for conversation. Like what didn't you like about it? And whatever you didn't like about it, let's build off of that and not give you any of those things again. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. You can send us any questions or comments. We are also now on Twitter at Wine Education. And we are on Instagram at The Wonderful World of Wine. Welcome back, everybody. And thanks for joining Kim and I. Today, we're talking about four types of palates of wine drinkers. We spent some time talking about super tasters, or the term Kim prefers is hyper tasters. We talked about our palates and how much we've been tasting lately. Next, we want to move to what I want to cover next, Kim, was the sweet category, the Mm. sweet taste bud drinkers, which... I think is really the more popular wine tasting, wine drinker palette right now out there. I feel only because every time I ask people what wine they're drinking or what they like, it tends to be something that's on the sweeter side for me. So I put would put them ah. in the category of a sweet taster. Yeah. What, what's your experience with sweet palates or sweet tasters? Yeah. My take on people who prefer sweeter wines is more that sometimes these can be just easy to drink wines. You don't have to think too much about them. Honestly, a little bit of sugar goes a long way for improving the drinkability for a lot of things. We are all conditioned. It's not even conditioned. Like It's an inborn thing for humans that we like sweet things. I mean, think of all the things that are sweet in our life that we really, really love, whether it's fruit or whether it's candy or anything in between. So our palates really are primed to enjoy things that are sweet. So sweet wines tend to be, and it's not 100% true, but what we start off drinking because they are easy and they're frankly delicious. And it's a great introduction to wines, especially when those wines are bumping you up a category of alcohol percentage in your beverages that you might not be have much experience with before. So you're just learning to drink alcohol. Maybe you were just drinking beer before and that's like four or five percent alcohol. If you move right to a Cabernet that has 12, 13, 14% alcohol, that's a really big bump. And it's not necessarily the most pleasant thing to be introducing to your palate right off the bat. So I think a lot of people start drinking sweeter wines as they start. And then as they get more experience and a little more time goes by and they get more curious, then they move on to more drier things. But some people never leave the sweet category. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you have sugar balanced with acid and balanced with tannins with some of these red blends that we have coming out of California these days. They might not be the fanciest wines out there, but they are incredibly drinkable and honestly, good for the market and good for the bit, good for business. And I, I think if people enjoy drinking those, then that's not a bad thing. I'm probably making 
a lot of fine wine people <laughs> roll their eyes at me right now, but that's my opinion. Well, you made a good point about the high alcohol, the sweet palate wine drinkers perceive that as too much alcohol. So they, right. they need that sweetness. And you mentioned about the generational thing. I'm in my fifties and I thought my generation, we grew up on soda and candy and, but I thought the generations now, the younger generations are more of a healthier generation would, would tend to get away from the sweet palates, but it seems to be, they're still sticking there. I guess they're not, I guess it's more that traditional, the higher alcohol, the drier, they find the cab type thing unpleasant and too bitter. So they need yeah. a little bit more sugar. Cause I think you got to work up know? to it. I don't, yeah. you know, it's, I relate it to coffee, the sugar right? Like thing is, you don't is, start drinking coffee with drinking espresso. You start with a regular cup of donkeys. <laughs> There's a lot of cream right. and a lot of sugar in it. Right. And then you work, your, you work your way up to, you know, other things. And I feel like it's the same thing with wine. Yeah, and it seems like the people, the younger generation, when they're ordering a coffee, it's extra this and extra that, right? It's it, it is syrups and flavors. And yeah, so if I mean, if that's how people are doing their coffee, then why wouldn't you expect their alcoholic beverages to follow a similar path? Yeah, makes sense. I, I still, still think it's the, the biggest palette out there on the market. But if, and I think you're me. probably right. Let's move on to the third one, Kim, the same sensitive tasters. They're labeled as they get a lot of things out of a wine that a super taster does, but not as picky with foods right? and more tolerant to that bitterness or tannins and wines. So, so I think sensitive. this is that like happy medium. This is where I like to think I place. <laughs> I've had to learn to like the bitter foods in my life. And uh, after a lot of palate training and foods that I never grew up eating, but that my husband did and that I, now I do as well. I feel like that this is a category that your your palate is open to learning new things and that you can eventually a lot flavors. I agree with that. I, I think we both, we we have to be to be in the, the business and to, to do education. You have to be open to the style. So you have to be more tolerant to more than just bitterness, right? So- right. But it's funny that you are really open to different flavors and wines, but you're picky when it comes to your food. Yeah. You personally. Yeah. I find true. that hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think of being adventurous with food, but I don't. But whereas you're wine, not, though. Uh, oh, yeah. You're definitely you're right the, on you're that. You're the, the meat and potato guy. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it is funny, isn't it? I got I to gotta expand my, my food palette and should cut back on the wine. Like it, nah, so. <laughs> nah. wow. so, and then so, we have this final category of tolerant tasters, which now in your opinion, from your own personal experience, you think folks that have a, a liking for sweet is the majority of the population. And this article is saying that this last category, these tolerant tasters are the largest group because they just, they're fine with whatever glass of wine you pour them. They're not going to be put off or offended by any particular flavor or aroma, but they're also not going to see what all the fuss is all about. They're not able to grasp necessarily the nuance of a lot of things. And I'm sort of a little, I don't want to say puzzled about this last category, but I feel like this is a group that I'm unsure of whether people are this way because they are naturally inclined to just not get a lot of nuance out of wine or because they haven't put in 
any time and don't have any experience doing it. So it's not something that just comes instantly really to a lot of people. So, yeah, well, the, this is my take on the tolerant category of a, a wine drinker. The article's four types of palates for wine drinkers, right? Drinkers not taste it because it categorizes this category as these people are baffled by wine snobs. So they they don't want to talk about or hear what you're smelling in the wine, what you're tasting in the wine. They just want to have a nice glass yeah, of wine. Yeah, just a glass of wine right? to drink. And whatever that's poured for them, they like it. So to me, it suits the article. It suits all the categories because they're tolerant. They just want to drink wine. They don't want to taste wine. It, the other categories, the, the super taster, the sensitive taster, and the sweet, those are people in wine that are really tasting. They're taking the time to find the sweetness, find the bitterness. So the tolerant drinker is just a wine drinker. They enjoy wine. Yeah. So to me, it, it makes sense that it's the biggest category because that's kind of what I see a lot of the times when I'll be asking all sorts of geeky questions trying to recommend a wine and they're like, I just want a red wine. I just want, yeah. I, that's what I need right now. Right. I need a red wine. And they don't want to, or, or they don't feel that they need to go through all the steps of talking about, oh, what the flavor is going to be. What is the aroma going to be? What's the body going to be? Just like, give me a glass of red, dude. <laughs> right, right. And, so, you know, I get that. It probably doesn't matter totally if it's that. light or heavy or sweet or whatever. It's, they're tolerant to it, to it all, you know? And, and a lot of times, I find myself when I'm recommending wines, if you're saying you're having people over, I'll say, yeah, we'll go with this because it's in between styles that'll suit the person who likes, you know, this style. It also suits right. the one that suits that style. You, you got to get something in the middle for the tolerant people, right? Mm -hmm. But the sweet guy will like it and the, the hypersensitive or <laughs> hypertensive or super taste. They'll all like Hopefully it. not the hypertensive. Yeah. <laughs> they'll all like it no matter That's what. Right. What, what else do you think on, on style? Do you think it's a, on the palate types, do you think it's a valid thing for, say, marketing in wine to know these groups? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't know because I don't know if people recognize enough of this about themselves and the type of drinker that they are. So from a marketing perspective, if someone doesn't necessarily feel that they belong to a certain category or even know that those categories exist, then why would they identify with the marketing efforts towards that group of people? Well, most of the but I guess, I mean, I guess if companies. you talk about it in, you know, you don't talk about it in these terms of you're a tolerant taster or are you a super taster? If it's more right. like, OK, we're going to gear Generally. our language towards people who are not maybe too concerned about the nuance of the wine, but they're just looking for this, this, and this, then yes, I can see that that would be, be valuable. There's a lot of companies out there who, who collect a lot of data and yes, forward very true. And sell it to these companies because you want to come out with a new brand or you have a, a brand it might not be doing as well. You want to see where everybody's palates are going. They're not liking the sweetness or they want, you know, light or heavy or whatever. Yeah. They pay a lot of money for that data, but it's it all depends on the wine drinkers to give them that feedback. Right. So, but as far as the these individual four types, I have seen marketing things in the past that, you know, groups it, it actually tells you the price points they'll pay and everything else like that. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of scientificness behind it. So just another thing. Yes. Yeah.
hopefully uh our listeners put themselves in one of those four types camera so you're still saying you're the you're the what the tolerant one or sensitive, sensitive but not sensitive hypersensitive one. yeah yeah because i do I just, have a hard time with bitter foods until i get used to eating them so i have to eat them over and over and over again before i can actually enjoy them yeah well, yeah. I just thought same with spicy alone. food. It's taken me a really long time to enjoy spicy food. I think we, you know, the picky eater thing just puts me in in super taste. I like to think of myself as I'm a good taste. I hate to say super taste. I think I honestly think you're in the super taster category because you are I, also very able to pick up nuances and things when we taste wine together. We feel we do, right? I mean, but I feel you like you bummed do. out. You bummed out if something is you're not getting with something else is but yeah we'll keep tasting for all our That's listeners right. we, kim and i will keep tasting we'll keep bringing all this That's what we do and tell you what we're tasting Absolutely. someone's gonna do it That's right thank you for listening today to the wonderful world of wine we've been your hosts mark Lindsay and kim simone you can find more information about Mark at franklinlickers.com and more information about myself and my classes at commonwealthwineschool.com. You can listen to us weekly on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9, and find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye.